Good evening, everybody. You might be uh, seated. Yesterday morning, Dan and I, McBride, flew to Atlanta, Georgia, because uh, Jeff Sellers' mother uh, passed away Saturday about lunchtime. Uh, uh, she was 70 years of age and uh, went home to be with the Lord. Her mother, uh, which is, uh, I call her Granny Maddox, is, I don't know, my Lord, up in the 90s. And she came in as a wheelchair, and she's been here vis visiting with us a couple times because of Jeff. And uh, the minute that they opened the door, I was standing in the lobby, and she began to weep and said, oh, Pastor Blackburn, Pastor Blackburn. And she's weeping. And she, I knew you would be here. She's uh, just a super spiritual person and loves Jesus. Uh, her son, Ron Maddox, is uh, in the Assemblies of God. Uh, we have about, I think, six regional directors around the world, and one of the regions that he is the director over, which is a very high profile, with many, many missionaries underneath his leadership, is in China. Uh, he said yesterday in Delta Airlines alone, he has over 5 million miles in the seat of the airplane, not to mention millions of others in other airlines. That's a whole lot of travel. If you believe that, say Amen. But he was there to preach, Jeff shared, to preach his mother or preach his sister's funeral. Jeff's mother and Ron Maddox, brother and sister. As they were looking at the video of, of Jeff's mother's life, uh, one picture after another, uh, Granny Maddox was there in a wheelchair and looking and just weeping and weeping and weeping. You see, it's not natural to, for a parent to have to bury a child. It's just, uh, wow, unbelievable. She stood there, and I leaned down to give her a kiss on the forehead, and she said, oh, Pastor Blackburn, Pastor Blackburn. The majority of the whole family, Jeff and his, his uh, other brother, uh, and his, I uh, believe, two or three sisters were all saved. Granny Maddox, her mom and dad, and, and the whole family got saved, she said, as she wept. They're out of what's called the Tabernacle, which is the symbol of God Church, out of Atlanta. Back many years ago, was pastored by uh, uh, the Mayo family. And a longtime known minister of the gospel and the tabernacle is a great church as victory is known today. And the evangelist for a week's worth of revival meetings was uh, Jimmy Swaggart. Jimmy Swaggart at one time was assembly of God until he, he failed and went through a process of healing and today has uh, a program uh, that community of stations that his organization owns. But back in that day, he was probably one of the more premier evangelists uh, in our movement. And she said these words, what if Brother Jimmy Swaggart, she said, preaching a revival at the tabernacle and my whole family was unchurched. My whole family didn't go to church. My whole family didn't darken the door of a church until the week of that revival someone asked us to come 
And she said, in that revival, in that week of revival, my whole family, my mama, my daddy, my sisters, my brothers, we all got saved. And look today, Pastor Blackburn, what if we had not gone? What if no one had invited us? What if no one had begged us? What if my mama and my daddy, my mama first, but what if my daddy had said, I'm not going? Look today at what God has done. Now, in that moment in time, I thought about particularly this message because who would have ever known in the heart of the person who made the invitation Probably at the prompting as we prompt our congregation and our church community over and over. Be sure you invite people to church. But what if that person had not taken advantage of that opportunity? What if, what if that family had decided not to pay any attention and, and not gone to that meeting? Then their lives and the lives in the case of Ron Maddox, who is Granny Maddox's son and Jeff's uncle, the multiplied millions of people that have come to Jesus Christ as a result of the mission's endeavor in China by the thousands. I thought how sad that would have been. But they were obedient. I thought, wow, that touches my heart in the what if. I believe this. I believe that serving God and being spiritual and following Jesus is the most important thing in the whole wide world. I don't think anything else is more important than us remembering what we are called to do under the anointing of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that often I got called to the principal's office. And I never was called to say, boy." I never was called. We're going to give you an award for promptness. We're going to give you an award. It was never that way. I always got called because the principal needed some words of wisdom, and he called me in to coach him. You know that's not the truth. I have people come to my office and think some of the staff or whatever will you look nervous. Well, what have I done? Nothing yet. Nothing. Those singular moments, I think now it's just two of you. And I watched you worship tonight, and I thought, I wonder if we comprehend in our minds that it's just God and us. That in worship, when we come together in obedience to God's Word, there's only two people there. It's you and God the Father. And that you can sit across the table from him and you can feel his anointing and you can feel his love and you can feel his word and you can comprehend what he's thinking and calling on you to do. I read today something I thought extremely interesting. What if you woke up tomorrow morning and all day long you only experienced the things when you awakened in the morning that you thanked God for the day before? How much would you have 
if you woke up tomorrow morning with only the things that you have thanked God for today? Privileges are all around us, and God gives opportunity. Prayer and fasting are those opportunities. The church is having to shuffle today to deal with a culture that is not zoned in on the supernatural priorities of God. Churches today are having to change their schedules and having to compromise in many areas to endeavor to fit the schedules often of a culture that says we don't have time for God we don't understand. Years ago, my friend, I remember, and God bless those moments, we would have a week or two weeks of revival, and every single night we would go at it like there was no tomorrow. And out of that, people got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and got healed, and people poured into the church. You say, those were the days. They were wonderful days. But they are not the days that I believe God is in store for the church. If the church is careful not to miss some prime time opportunities that God gives to us. And we know that there are tests along the way. And one of those critical moments is found in the Gospel of Mark, the 14th chapter, verse number 32 and running through 38. It's that moment in which we know that an opportunity was given to Peter, James, and John, and they did not understand it. Opportunities that are there. And sometimes we take advantage of those opportunities that we can see, oh, that's a better paying job, or, or if I move there, I get a raise, or if I move there, that's going to be beneficial to me. And often we think in materialistic terms, but we very seldom think and say, oh, God, we have an opportunity to fast, an opportunity to pray. Look at the benefits that's going to come out of that time of sacrifice. We don't think that way in the natural. In the natural, we think, let's see here. We've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe Monday, four or five days left in the fast. And God sits back and says, if you're going to see any kind of a supernatural move, you're going to have to shift channels in the way that you think. And understand that I move in the darkness and I move in the light. I move behind your back. I move above you. I move below you. But one thing you can do, you can see me move if you're focusing on who I am. My need of God. God, if I get tomorrow only the things that I thank for today, then I'm going to get busy thanking God. We take advantage sometimes of those opportunities. And then all of us, if you've feel, lived very long, you realize, well, I missed some opportunities. That eluded me if I'd have known what I know now. Hindsight is what? 2020. If I knew what I knew now, I'd have just bid on that opportunity. I would have took advantage of that. And this is about the story that we've all read about, heard about over many, many, many times. And God says, I want to give you opportunities to grow. I want to give you opportunities for spiritual expansion and understand that spiritual issues are extremely important. I just answered a text from a lady that said, I just started my fasting and I became so ill I can't hardly stand it. What am I going to do? And I text back to her. I said, you're going to persevere. You're an anointed woman. You're a called woman. And you're a woman that's a blessed woman. Now begin to behave out of those characteristics and watch the enemy run away from you. We understand the value of that. 
So here we go in, in Joshua, the first chapter, verse number eight. I love it. God's word to Joshua were, you will make your way successful and prosperous if you seize the opportunity that is presented. Think about it. Do you think he's just talking about more money, more time, more privilege, more comfort? You will make your way more successful and prosperous if you do what? You seize the opportunity that's presented to you. God presents us more opportunities of a spiritual nature than he does those things of a material nature. But we're keenly aware of the materialistic and we're dull to be able to observe sometimes the things that are of spiritual nature by the way that quote it's not a new quote that i just shared with you what if you only had today the things that you thank god for tomorrow came from a gal who just died in the state of tennessee young woman who was quite an athlete and fought cancer and fought cancer and fought cancer until she lost the battle in the last couple of days in one of her final quotes before dying, what if you awake tomorrow morning with only the things that you thank to God? She said, my life is coming to an end, and the things that I think about most now all have to do with eternity. We are carrying the mantle of anointing. We, those of us that are gathered here, and thousands more represented on these cards, like the lady that I got the call today that had a stand, and then they came to realize, wow, she's going to have to big-time valve replacement this coming Friday. That's what they found. The individual who said, wow, total knee replacement, I, I had no idea. The one who said to me, boy, my husband wants a divorce and wants it now. The man who said to me, my, my wife has gotten someone else that she absolutely in love, is in love with. To the parent who said to me, my child seems to tend to like girls more than boys. Pastor, tell me what to do. That's an opportunity of which I said to one that births a miracle in the heart of God. But how shall we see it if we don't understand it? How shall we know that if we don't say, God, I'm the one? If we don't believe the church is the instrument with which God is using we understand that the Scripture declares to us some important values. Someone made this statement, learn to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. And for God to be a part of your life and to be a focus and for us to pray and for us to fast, you'll have to say no to some of those temporal things and yes to the best things that are most important. Here it is, Mark, the 14th chapter of the, of the Gospels, verse 32. It's the three gathered together. Jesus called them together. They are the inner circle called to a place of Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Why did he need them? He did not. Was he afraid to be alone? He was not afraid. Were there many answers that could be that Jesus didn't know how to pray? I don't think so. 
It was to benefit those individuals that he called because those three individuals were the core of the leadership team. Those three individuals, my friend, were the ones that the burden of propagating the gospel from their life forward and into our life today, it was important for those three to catch the vision, to catch the burden, and understand spiritual issues. So how do you do that? Come with me and pray. Oh, 2020 would have been good hindsight for them. They would have prayed harder. They wouldn't have went to sleep. They would have been right there with him. They would have said, you're not alone. They would have said, listen, we're going to take it to the mat, and I want you to know we are not going to give up. But they didn't have 2020 vision. All they had was a commission from Jesus. Come pray with me. Is that not enough? In our culture today, is that not enough? All of us want the same thing. We want to see the miracles. We want to see the deliverance. We want to see healed marriages, healed homes, healed bodies, healed minds. All of us today want to see all of our young people come back into the fold. We all want to see that. The real issue in the Word is come and pray with me. Time passed, of course. We know that Jesus at that point in time, his time on earth was short. It's a matter of weeks now. These were the core value of the leaders, and they would be the benefactors of the ministry of carrying on for Jesus after his death. But they didn't understand that. They didn't know that. Well, is it because their eyes were blind? They had ample opportunity to be able to have the revelation of the wisdom of God, and that was one of them. It'll be revealed to you. Come and pray. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I'm just telling you right now, come and pray. Because an opportunity is gifted to you that you won't understand the value of that opportunity until later. But let's see if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be a follower, if you're going to be a portrayer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let's see if you can take advantage of this opportunity. It's not lined with glitz. It's not lined with a promise. As a matter of fact, to pray for an hour is kind of a hard thing to do if you're not used to it. They met, they gathered. Can their ability discern what's going on? You see, the goal is for us to grow in the Word of God. The goal is for us to be saturated by the Spirit. The goal is for us to be more spiritually mature than we have ever been, but we will never gain that territory unless we master the simple Eternal opportunities are those things that often stretch us, the pain of challenge that cause us to glorify God and demand a sacrifice and create, and create a, a fear that is not, is not dominating in our life, but one of faith. So the invitation was there. They went. They knelt. Jesus proceeded further. Well, why why did they fail to take advantage of the moment? They were tired, rightly so. It was the time of the day when their bodies may have been wearied. Mark 14, 37, he returned and found the disciples sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep like you didn't know? Could you not keep watch for how long? One hour. 
That's pretty simple. Couldn't, couldn't you? I'm, I'm just not a nobody. I, I perform miracles. I call you to pray. You want to be on the inner circle. You want to see supernatural things happen. Peter, you had your opportunity. But you're into the manifestation instead of the sacrifice that it takes to see the manifestation. And so goes the church. We can draw crowds with great dramas. We can draw crowds with great presentations of performance. But those things often are not the keys to bring what we really hunger and thirst for. And that's to see the manifestation of the lowly Nazarene stretch his hand out to the lepers and they are healed. And if lepers are healed and lives are changed and families are healed, it will happen the same way that it happened in the Scripture. The church will have to knuckle down and we will have to push reset and say, God, let me readjust how I think to believe you for the supernatural. Wow. You see, the reason they failed is they didn't realize the moment, that moment the whisper of the Spirit. It's the story of 1 Samuel 3, 3 through 9, when Samuel was a young boy dedicated to God. It's his first experience. He hears the whisper of God's voice. He, he goes to Eli, who was the high priest. Did you call me? No, he did it two or three times. Finally, Eli caught on. That's the voice of the Lord speaking to you, son. This is your first experience. You haven't had that voice speak to you. I know that voice, Eli says. You, you simply say when it happens again, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel must have went back and laid down on his mat and wondered, will I ever hear the voice again? He must have laid awake for a brief period of time thinking, will I hear the voice again? He must have thought, will I hear it again? And sure enough, in the whisper of a moment, when he has focused attention, he hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel. We hear voices today, far too many, that take us on tracks and paths that lead us away from. What if that person had not invited us to the tabernacle for the revival? And what if my mother had not said, we are going to go? What if my mother hadn't said to my father, but they did? And look, you and I have more needs today than last year. We have more needs than we had five years ago. And we'll have more needs tomorrow than we had today. And God has gifted us in, just as he did these disciples, an opportunity during our time of fasting and praying and said, you have an opportunity. Do you realize the power that's in that opportunity? And here's what I believe. I believe by the grace and the mercy of God that there are miracles that are going to come past. There, there are issues 
issues that are going to break away. There are burdens that are going to be lifted. There are young people that's going to come back to Jesus right now in that family life center. They are praising and worshiping God under the ministry of Daniel Gray tonight. Why did they fail? This, this was the inner core. They're supposed to know better, but they didn't. Why? They were not focused. They were still enamored with what Jesus did rather than who he was. They were not spiritually in tune. They were encumbered with the present and the temporal. I'm tired. I can't do it. They were not watching with intensity as Samuel was. I wonder if I'll hear the voice again. They were not serving with purpose. Apathy had become their posture. And do you think it's going to go away? Move all the way past into Revelations 3.15 and look at that church of Laodicea. I know, my friend, that you are not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm, and I'd rather you be one or the other. And that testimony is still prevalent, but not in this room tonight, not in the core value of who we are, because the Holy Spirit will speak to us individually, and we will pick these cards up in a few moments, and we will find a place to pray, and we will walk out that door, and that haunting message of this word will stay with you through the night. And tomorrow you will think when you awaken, if I only had today what I thank God for yesterday, God, how much would I have? And you will walk differently, live differently, breathe differently, as opposed to what happened today? What happened? He said to them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh or the body is weak. Peter, what happened to you? If I need an opinion, you give it. If I need vocal support, you give it. If I need someone to argue my case, you're there. If I need someone to duke it out for me, you're there. If I need to step forward first, the individual across the line, it's you. Well, what happened to you? All the things that you can do in your power and your might, you do. But the one thing that I needed you to do in the supernatural, you're weak. May God help us to understand that that spirit man in us is going to outlive anything this flesh can expect. And some of you tangle, some of you tangle, and you wrestle constantly with making an absolute complete focus. Some of you sort of weakness, some of you wrestle with, I can't get my head wrapped around really serving God. Let me tell you something, friend. That's a lie from the pit of the enemy because the Bible says in the name of Jesus, you can do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. We can learn to watch and observe. God, what is it that you're doing? The Spirit is willing. Here's what I know. When the church is called to fasting and prayer, I look for two things every single time. I look for an outbreak of trouble, and then I look for an outbreak of miracles. And friend, you're always going to find both of them flirting in the altar somewhere. It means the devil will be angry and mad and tempt you and fight you and challenge you and come against you. And you can say in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, I rebuke you. You get behind me and you can turn and look up and you'll see the angels of heaven stirring in the atmosphere and you'll see the miracles begin to fall and lives will begin to change and hearts will begin to stir and people will be asking, what is this that's adversely 
affecting me. I can't sleep at night. It will be the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit because some mama prayed and God answered prayer. Some grandmother prayed and some wayward son came back. Some marriage that they thought is irreconcilable and God comes back on the throne and they come back to the basis of what they knew and how they were raised. How? Not by might, nor by power. Not the counselor's couch and not the psychiatrist's chair. But somewhere in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. There is a spirit. And he is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent in every place. Could you watch, learn to watch for that opportunity? Several hours, Peter was tested three times. He did not understand the moment while he was supposed to be praying, but hours later tested. Do you know him? He denied him. I promise you the outcome of his challenge of denying Jesus three times before the rooster crowed would have been dramatically different had he caught the opportunity God had gifted to him through Jesus and spent time in prayer. Listen, there will be no sacrifice that you make for the kingdom of God, none, but what God will not reward it, either here and now or either up there. Whisper Jesus, and he is exalted. Call on his name. How do we miss? We do not want to miss. Stuart Edinburgh said, if we could show the world that being committed to Christ is not a time that is humdrum or sheltered or monotonous, but seeking his face and leaving with an expectancy that any moment at the snap are spoken of his word. A supernatural breakthrough could take place and change your world forever. Amen. But do not be led by misunderstanding, and don't be led by fear, and don't be led by doubt, and don't be influenced by the false impressions of darkness. And do not believe that you can hide, for I know your heart, and I know your challenge, and I hear you plea, and I hear you cry. My desire is to anoint you, to heal you, and bring wholeness to you. Do not let the hands that are weary stay down, but raise them in worship to me and watch as I am lifted up. Watch the burdens of the naysayers and the liars and the false prophets. Watch their voices be quiet for they are not welcome in my presence. So we're going to take the cards now. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that 
We have spiritual gifts that take place. And one happens to be messages in tongues. Messages in tongues often, they don't happen often because you have the preaching of the word was more fluent in the day in which Jesus was there because it represented the different dialects and that's what happened in Acts the second chapter. But he said in these days, 1 Corinthians 12, that there are those tongues that are different from a praise language that is a heavenly language and to be interpreted by someone who has the gift of interpretation. And that every message should serve as encouragement and warning and comfort and never castigating, never demeaning, and never pushing one down. And it says we can judge it by what it says. So would you do this? We're going to go to prayer. We're going to have worship, just some worship music. I'm going to ask you to come get these cards I want to ask you to look for an opportunity that God will use you. And we're going to come back in about 15 minutes, somewhere around 15 minutes, and you get a few cards and you take them back and you come down and get some more. Don't, don't take 15 or 20, but these are cards. Many of them come from offices. They come from people. So I'm asking you, would you do that? And you say, I have to go. I have to leave then you're certainly welcome to slip out, but the rest of you, please, and look for an opportunity to minister as we just go to prayer, shall we?